excellent. Watch you reach out, hold someone's hand. Everyone connected to someone. He's excellent. Oh, how excellent is that name? Let's bow together in a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, we, your people, come before you right now, first thanking you just for being God. We thank you that you've always been God to us when we've wanted it and even when we ran from it. You were still excellent in our lives. There have been many things you've done for us, many situations you've brought us through. And today we stand thanking you for everything that you have done. We thank you for the songs of Zion that have gone forward, for the prayers of faith that have been lifted in this worship service. And now, Lord, we turn to hear a word from you. I have studied, but I need your strength. I have prepared, but I need your power. I'm willing and I want to, but only you can make me able. Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by the power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. And the people of God said, Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible today, would you turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 1 beginning with verse 40 and we do honor the Spirit of God in this place to our pastor Bishop Thomas in his absence our First Lady Lady Patricia Thomas and all of you gathered here today it's always good to be in New Psalmist Baptist Church we thank God for this branch of Zion known as New Psalmist and I'm especially grateful today my wife sharing with me and today is a special day in her life today is her birthday Come on, I need y'all to help me thank God for my wife on this, her birthday. For my rock, the one that keeps me grounded, that holds me down and everything. I want to publicly thank God for her on this, her birthday, and let her know how much I love her and appreciate all that she does in my life. Amen. Amen. Book of Mark chapter 1, beginning with verse 40. And the word of God reads as follows. A man with leprosy came to him and begged, begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go. Show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Amen. The word of the Lord is blessed. Before you go to your seats, I need you to look at your neighbor. Prayerfully, you've introduced yourself to them by now in this service. If not, at least tell them your first name. It's a terrible thing to sit next to somebody and you can't even call them by their first name. 
Pastors say, preachers say, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you. So now that you know, at least know them by their first name, just look at them and say, neighbor, my dear Christian neighbor, let me tell you about this fire. Amen. You may go to your seats all over the room. And that's what I want to talk about today as we prepare for fresh fire. Lord, set us ablaze. I want to talk today as God shall guide just from these words. Let me tell you about this fire. Let me tell you about this fire. Many things, my brothers and my sisters, we found and seen are passed down from generation to generation. There are many behaviors and attitudes that are in a family that if you've seen one member of the family, it seems as though you have met everyone. For some, it's, it's those nice traits, those things of warm and welcoming, where you've met the grandmother and you've seen the child and you've seen the grandchild and you can tell where they all learned it from. Then there are other things when you meet someone who may not be nice. And you meet the rest of the family and you say, I know where you got this from. <laughs> Amen, Floor. But then other traits are passed down from generation to generation. Sometimes we see professions that the father and the children and the grandsons all pick up. But then one of the things that I've seen in, in my family life that's been passed down, and I get it honest from my father, and I've shared this, I've been confessing, it seems as though for the last couple of months with our discipleship groups and the like, one of the things that I get, and I know I get it honest, is a sweet tooth. I, I, I get it. I know it comes from my father, and, and I get it, and sometimes it's as though I can't help myself. And it seems as though it has not just stopped with me, but it's also been passed down to my children. And some days I'll pick my daughter up from school and, and hearing that she had a good report, the first thing that'll come to my mind is we can go get a treat. <laughs> it's because she had a good day and I have to reward her. And because I am the driver of the car and the one with the money, I have to get something too. And so we'll stop and she say, Daddy, let's go to get a donut. So we'll get a couple donuts and we'll eat them in the car, have fun, take some pictures, and then we'll go on home. And when we pull up to the house, the last thing I say to her before we go in the front door is now, Ava, don't tell mommy that we got donuts. She'll say, yes, Daddy, I'm not gonna say a word. And we'll go in the house. She'll run in the door. And the first thing she says, Guess where we went, mommy? I got a donut, you want one? And it seems as though that conversation never happened. And she just shares what we said we would not share. And one of the things I've learned, deacons, is that some things in life are so good that you just can't keep it to yourself. Funny thing about church is that many of us are only in church the way we are today because somebody in our lives got right and they just wouldn't shut up about it. They kept talking about this big church named New Psalmist. They kept talking about this preacher named Bishop Thomas or Reverend Thomas or Dr. Thomas. And we said, I have to see it or hear it for myself. And all because they wouldn't stop sharing it we find ourselves where we are today. 
And the truth of the matter is whenever you have something really good, you ought not be able to be quiet about it. Bishop preached about it the other week. Sometimes it's like a fire that gets shut up in your bones. That when you would be silent, it's as if everything inside you is intention. That you can't sit still, you can't do anything else until you let the world know all of what God has done for you. Because when God has blessed you and changed your life, you want everybody to have the same thing you have. Oh, somebody missed that. See, one of the problems Pat Preacher talked about it earlier is that so often in our current day of Christianity, we believe that we should get blessed and nobody else should. That we should get all we can from God and everybody else struggle. That everybody else should have to fight for what was given us by grace. But the reality is, is when you really experience how good God is, you ought not be able to be silent. But every time somebody asks you a question, you should say, if you just knew like I knew what God had done for me, you would want him to. Oh, is there anybody here today who knows there have been times where you wanted to be silent? You said you were going to stop talking about it. You weren't going to be preaching on the job anymore. You weren't going to be telling the family how they needed to live. But sooner or later, one thing led to another. And before you knew it, your gums started flapping and you let everybody know just how good God was. Oh, slap fire with your neighbor and say, God's been good to me. If I had time, I'd tell you it all, but I'll just close it by saying, God has been good to me. In our text, we find this man who's had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus told him, don't say nothing. And as soon as he leaves him, he let everybody know what God has done for him. It's an interesting time. This is at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. First chapter Mark. Mark is the first gospel. It's the one through Matthew and Luke used as one of their sources. This is the first one given and it's meant to give us a step-by-step -step understanding of what Jesus has done. That's why when you read through Mark, you're hit with miracle after miracle because Mark said, I gotta let the world know what Jesus has done on this earth. I got to let you know all the miracles and all the blessings he performed because when you see what he has done, you get a good indication of what he's going to do for you. Yeah. Amen, somebody. And Mark opens it up, and step by step, we see Jesus blessing. He goes and gets baptized, then he's tempted and he comes out. He's trying to let us know that you can be tempted, but you will make it through. Yeah. That's a whole nother sermon. I'm going to leave that alone. Then he goes in the synagogue and he, he, he teaches some lessons and he heals some folk and he casts out demons. And folks start saying, who is this man? He can do stuff that we ain't never seen before. He's not bound by all the boundaries that we've placed on religion, but he can do things that people need when they need it. He can bless folk when they need to be blessed. He don't hit them with all the scrolls, but he say there's something in you and I'm calling it out. I see something greater inside of you, so I'm going to bless you with what you came to me for. And I believe, my brothers and my sisters, that that's what the church ought to be. It ought to be a hospital where folk can come and receive their healing. Because the truth of the matter is, though we look good on this Sunday, we got on our November Sunday's best, but deep underneath of all this stuff, we ain't all we claim to be. 
But if it had not been for us falling at the altar and God giving us what we need, we wouldn't look as good as we do right now. And we want everybody to get what from God what we already have. Jesus is coming. He's flipping stuff upside down. He's letting people see that I can preach in the church and, in, and outside the church. I don't need a synagogue to heal folk. I can walk down the street and say, you are healed. I don't need four walls to show you how good God is. Wherever I am, that's where God is. And because God is here, I can do what he sent me to do. He's been healing folk, changing lives, and giving people an alternative to what they have believed. Letting them see that this religion that has been shared and expanded through the understanding of the Pharisees is not the only way. But this thing is based off of love and supplying what you need. And he's been sharing this. And at the same time, there's a community of persons who are less than in society. There's a community of sick people, of people who have diseases, of people who are unclean. For a long time, they were on the outskirts. They couldn't fellowship with anybody. They couldn't hang out with anybody. They couldn't work with everybody else. But once Jesus comes onto the scene, it's as if they get a breath of fresh air and they say that God has a plan for my life and it doesn't mean I have to stay as low as I am right now. And I don't know who good this is for, but God told me to tell somebody, you've been going through life, you feel lower than a footprint right now. It feels as though everything is falling apart. It feels as though your life is not where you want it to be. Well, God sent me by here to tell you that this is just a moment because Jesus is on the way to pick you up and restore you into everything he has for your life. All of these persons now see an opportunity in Jesus. And they start coming to him wherever he is. He walking down the street, they carrying sick folk to him. He trying to get something to eat and people limping up to him say, can you heal me? Because that's what he came to do. And in our text, we have another example. This man with leprosy has found Jesus and he's determined to leave better than he came. And he comes to Jesus, he falls at his feet, he starts begging him and he say, Jesus, I know you can hear me. The only question is, do you want to? Says, I know you got the power. The only thing I don't know is, is if this is on your will for today. And I believe preachers that that is the attitude we all should take when we approach the master. We should come to him knowing that he can give us what we need. The only question is, when he gonna do it? Oh, see, if I was a better preacher, somebody would have got their release right there. Let me bring it back, even in the beginning. We ought to come to him saying, I don't doubt that you can turn my life around. I don't doubt that you can heal my body. I don't doubt that you can restore my family. I know you got all power. I'm just believing that this is going to be the day where I'm going to see it manifest to my own self. Man comes, say, Jesus, I know you can do it. Only question is, will you will for it to happen? Jesus seeing and text tells us that he has compassion for the man. Jesus says, I see you coming to me. You're begging, you're falling on your knees. I have compassion for you. And because I have compassion for you, because I love you, I'm going to give you what you need. I tell y'all, we don't know when to shout. Jesus looks at this man, this leper, 
come to him all begging and crying. Jesus said, I, I, I feel you, bro. And because I feel you, and because I know you know who I am, you got what you need. And it's funny how the text puts it. Verse 42. Immediately, the leprosy left the man and he was cured. I got to bring it back. Mr. Mike, we're not in a Pentecostal church, so somebody missed that. Let me try it again. The man comes. He's been sick for some time. He's unclean. And he comes to Jesus, fall at his feet. Jesus looks at him, touches him and say, you clean. And right away, what nobody else could give this man, he got. Because one of the things I love about Jesus is that when you come to him with yourself, he's not bound to make you suffer any longer. But he's got power to give you an immediate blessing. Oh, see, I need to preach to some folk who know there have been some times where you were dealing with some heavy stuff and you went to him and said, Lord, I believe you can. I'm just waiting on you to do it. And he said, because you had faith in me, I'm going to give you what you need right away. Oh, slap five with somebody and said, I seen an immediate blessing. I went one way and I left better than I ever came. Text says right away, immediately. Leprosy falls off this man, and he's cured. What nothing else could give him, he got from Jesus. And one of the things that makes me shout when I think about Jesus is that he has the power to give us what nobody else can. See, I, 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 I marvel at persons when, when they're going through difficult things who talk about all of the steps they're taking on their own. You know, they say, well, I'm researching this, and I'm studying this, and I'm going to talk to this person, I'm going to do that. And I say, that's nice. They ask me what I'm going to do, and now I'm praying. Because I know that Jesus has everything I need. And if I go to him first, he will direct my steps so that I can see an immediate blessing in my life. This man said, I ain't wasting time with other stuff. I'm going right to Jesus. Jesus gives him the healing, and then he gives him instruction. He tells this man, don't say a word. Be quiet about it. Don't, don't go out broadcasting that you stopped by the 930 service at the First Baptist Church of Nazareth, and, and you got healing at the altar, and now you clean. Just be quiet. Go down to the temple. Show yourself to the priest as the law requires, and then the priest will be the one who declares you as clean because you're already healed. So it's not going to be a question if because you already healed. It's not going to be a question of let me examine you a little further because you already healed. You just go and show them what I already done. That's, a, that's another piece. I can't unpack it. The clock moving. But it's funny what happens. I believe this man said, all right, Jesus, thank you. He gave him a hug, dapped him up, and said, all right, I'm going. Walks out the door. I believe if we could take some, 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 some license with the text, I believe he walked out the door, walked down the street, saw two people and said, guess what, y'all? <laughs> Jesus healed me. So another delegation walking down the other street ran over to him and said, y'all, look at me. You remember when I had leprosy, but now I'm clean. Look at me. You can touch me. 
and you ain't going to get dirty. You can get close to me and I won't infect you because of what Jesus did to me. I tell y'all, there's so much in this text, but I got to keep moving. And because of what this man did, Jesus had to change his ministry. To this point, Jesus just walking around like an average man. Every time he sees something, he can heal somebody and keep on moving. But now, text goes on to say, we just in the first chapter mark. We didn't even get to chapter 5 before this happened. Now, Jesus can't even go into town. Because wherever he go, a crowd rises up. He goes from preaching revival in a little church to needing rent out stadiums and arenas because so many folk want to get close to him. All because this man couldn't be silent. And for many years, my brothers and my sisters, I looked at this text and I wondered and I pondered, why did Jesus ask this man to stay silent? And, and I had the tension there, Reverend Darius. That was the point where I always had a struggle. I said, why did Jesus ask him this to do something that was tough to do? But as I was studying this text and reading through it in the context of fresh fire, God said, no, there's another question here. The question is not, why did Jesus ask him to be silent? The real question is, what was it about the fire inside of him that he couldn't shut up? And I asked this love, I said, what was it about this fire that you couldn't keep your mouth shut? What was it about your encounter with Jesus that so radically transformed you that because of it, everybody knew who he was? What was it that happened in those couple of moments you shared with the master that had a fire ablaze inside of you that you had to let the world know what was happening? And he said, Joshua, you got to understand that I went to Jesus broken. I, I went to him sick in my body. And when I got to Jesus, he healed and restored me. And because he did this for me, it fueled a fire that was on the inside. Because before I went, I was sick. I didn't know how I was going to get well. I was not sure if this was going to be the sickness unto death. Nobody knew the full implications and ramifications of leprosy in this time. He didn't know this was going to be the thing that killed him. He didn't know if this was a precursor to something else. He's just walking around sick, and nobody knows what to do with him. But when he gets to Jesus, he gets something that nobody else could offer him. And he said, Joshua, Jesus gave me healing in such a way that he helped me to see that the healing was what I needed for the next leg of my journey. The healing was Jesus giving me something to help to fuel the fire that was inside of me. Because it was in getting the healing that I saw the sickness in a new light. He said, before I got to Jesus, I just saw this sickness as something that separated me from everybody. 
But after I got to Jesus, I saw the sickness as the vehicle he used to bring me close to him. Look at it. This leper, had he not been sick, probably would have never encountered Jesus. He probably would have lived his life and maybe heard a few faint rumblings of this man doing some strange things. But he probably would have never encountered Jesus for himself. The only reason he gets to him is because he needs something that only Jesus can do. And what I've learned, my brothers and my sisters, is that sometimes God will afflict us with stuff so that it brings us to him. Because if we could be honest for a moment, when everything is going right, oftentimes we forget about it. Amen lights. When everything is good, it's easy to roll back over on Sunday morning. When everything is going according to our plan, it, it, you know, it, it becomes simple for us to say, look what I have done for me. But when sickness hits your body, when your life is broken into a thousand pieces, you start saying, I need something to put this back together. And this is it. God says, I allowed your life to go down. Because it's when you were down, you got to see me pick you back up. And this the shout. And because I picked you back up, you got a new fire inside of you that says, I'm not going to let anything stop me from serving God. If you knew like I knew what he did for me, you'd understand why I act like I do. Because if it had not for the Lord on my side, I wouldn't be here today. Oh, slap five with somebody and say, I saw him at the bottom and he brought me back to the top. Oh, if you knew what you just said, you may have broke the church up. Slap five with your other neighbor and say, when I was broken, he picked me back up, put me back together, put a smile back on my face, put happiness in my spirit, put joy in my heart, and I serve him like I do because I seen him bless me. Oh, this leper said, oh, I'm on fire because I knew what it was like before I got there. And I was broken. My life was in shatters. My health was failing. But when I left him, I was put back together. I was cured of everything that was harming me. It all dropped off. All because I got to Jesus. So my fire is built because I have two pictures in my mind. I have my BC picture before Christ, and I have my AC picture after Christ. And the fuel of the fire comes when I compare the two. So everything I go through, I have two pictures. I start seeing where I was before, broken and battered. I start seeing where I was before, sickness running through my body. 
I start seeing where my was before heart broken into a million pieces. Then I start reconciling that with my current picture where I don't look like the hell I've been through, where I don't smell like the smoke that was on me. And because I can't make sense of how I got from one to another, I know it was only by the grace and the power of God that I am where I am. And because of that, this fire is burning inside of me. He said, this fire burning because he healed me. He restored me. But he also said, Joshua, this fire is so burn, burning so hot, I'm ablaze. I, I'm, I'm doing the work of the Lord. I'm letting everybody know I'm the first evangelist. They calling me Reverend Dr. Evangelist Leper. I got a TV show that comes on letting everybody know what God's done. Because before I went to him, I was sick, I had leprosy. But leprosy is not just a physical ailment. Leprosy also takes away your dignity. And because I had leprosy, whenever I walked down the street, folk looked at me and they didn't ask how I was. They didn't ask, are you doing better? Only question they asked or snickered to themselves was whose sin caused this? They looked at me and said, what's your mama do? Said, what's your daddy do? What did you do to cause you to be in this place? And most likely, Reverend Darius, he was not born with this condition. Likely at some point along his journey, he contracted leprosy. So he remembered how people used to treat him. All right, let's make it plain. He didn't always have kids before he got married. He remembered when everybody smiled at him when they thought he was living right. And how after he showed up with a couple kids, they looked a little different. She wasn't always single. They remember when they sat together in church. And now they look at him differently because of what they've been through. They, they didn't always have to stand on the bus stop. They used to have a parking spot. But situations caused them to lose what they had. And this man said, I had dignity that was taken away. People no longer saw me. They saw my condition. It's funny, even in the text, we don't even know this man's name. We don't know where he's from. All we know is he a leper. The writer doesn't even give us data on him. He's defined by his condition. But he comes to Jesus as a leper, and he leaves with his dignity intact. And one of the things I've, I've, I've learned in this Christian journey is that so often things hit our lives and we will attack and work through the situation, not understanding that our dignity has taken a hit. We'll deal with what's going on, but not deal with what lies beneath. That's why sometimes you'll feel lower than you ever felt before. Not because of what you're going through, but because you feel like your dignity 
has been taken away. Your decisions have caused you to be where you are. Your actions have left you without anything to stand on. But Jesus looks at this man and says, I'm going to heal you, not just of your physical condition, but I'm going to restore everything that has been taken from you. And this is the shout right here. And this man leaves Jesus' presence. And as he leaves, he realizes, not only am I healed, but now I can go back to where I couldn't go before. I, I lost my dignity because I couldn't be around folk. I couldn't even shake somebody's hand. I couldn't even give a hug to my family because of my condition. But now I can go and talk to folk and ain't nothing wrong with it. It's funny when you look at the text, preachers, it, he goes and shares the message of Jesus, but he doesn't have to share it only to lepers. We, we read it and a lot of times we miss it. Be, you know, lepers have to stay in their own community. They stay outside the walls. They can't be around folk. But now Jesus says, I'm not just going to heal you, but I'm going to give you back your dignity and your pride in such a way that you can go where you couldn't go before. Get this. And be confident in what you bring to the table. Oh, I need to talk to some folk who know there have been some times in your life where the stuff you went through caused you to lose your confidence, caused you to look down on yourself, caused you to question your background, caused you to wonder if you were as good as anybody else. But God sent me by here today to let you know that Jesus will restore you in such a way that everything you have lost, he will give it back and you'll be able to do everything you need to do to be who he called you to be. Oh, slap fire with someone in that row and say, I seen them restore me. I haven't always been as happy as I am right now. I haven't always had this smile on my face. I haven't always been as enjoyable to be around. But I went to Jesus and he changed my life. And because he did that for me, this fire is always going to burn for him. Oh, this leper said, No, y'all got to understand. I'm on fire. Because he gave me back my dignity. I don't have to walk with my head down anymore. I don't have to wonder if what I say is as good as what somebody else says. I don't have to question if my work is as good as other folks' work who don't look like me. But no, I've been had an encounter with Jesus, and this fire reminds me that I am good enough. Oh, that was somebody's release right there. I got to say it again. This fire constantly reminds me that I am good enough because I've seen what he did for me. So I don't have to question if I can do. I just stand saying I know what's in me. I know what Jesus did for me. And because I know what he did for me, I'm going to walk with a smile on my face. I'm going to walk with my head held high. I'm going to poke my chest out and let the world know that it is no secret what God can do because what he did for me, he surely can do it for you too. Oh, snap fire with your neighbor and say, he gave me back my dignity. He gave me back my self-esteem. He gave me back my joy. He gave me back my peace. 
things I went through should have killed me, but I'm standing today because God restored me. He built me up stronger than I ever thought. And what was meant for evil, God let me see that it was working for my good. So though I didn't want to go through it, now that I came out of it, I can look back over it and say, thank you, Lord, for bringing me through this. I didn't want to go through the valley and the shadow of death. But as I walked through it, and each time I took a step, I saw that I could fear no evil because God was with me. And he gave me what I never thought I could have again. He restored me to the very place I never thought I would see again. I went through hell. But as I went through hell, I came out with a new smile that God would never leave me. And I came out with a new shout that I used to be down, but now I'm up. So I don't mind sharing my story. I don't mind letting you know what I've been through because it's in what I've been through that I came out like pure gold. The fire produced something that nothing else could bring forth. That fire built something that nothing else could get out. But because I went through it, I got to see a little bit more of who God was. And if you're here today and you've seen God do some stuff in your life, you've seen him restore you. You've seen him heal you. You've seen him bring you back. He's seen him turn what was meant to destroy you to be your footstool and give you an opportunity to stand before men and women and let them know what the Lord has done for me. I dare you to slap fire with your neighbor and say, neighbor, I went through, but I went through to get a testimony. I went through to get a new fire. I went through to get a new understanding. I went through to see what God could do. And if you're here going through hell, God sent me by new psalmist on this Sunday at the 930 service to let you know that this situation can destroy you. This thing can take you out, but God is using it to bring you through something so that you can have a testimony that God has blessed me, that God has restored me, that God has healed me, that God has delivered me, that God has broken chains, that God has rebuilt me up stronger than I've ever been. Now, church, if you know that that fire is burning in your life, I need you to open up your sanctified mouth and throw up your blessed hands and give God a praise because you've seen him do it. You shouldn't be here today, but God restored you. 
you should have gone crazy a long time ago. But God reached down and touched you and brought you out so that you can let the world know your story and let the world see just how good God is. If that's you, then give God a praise for all he's done in your life. Yes, yes, yes. Jesus said, leper, I'm going to heal you because I'm going to give you back what you never thought you could have again. I'm going to restore all the years that the locusts have eaten. And I'm going to send you out with an impossible request. Tell you to be silent. But I know you ain't going to be, shut, be able to shut up. Because when you start thinking of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for you, your soul just starts crying out. Your hands just start waving. Your feet just start going. Because he has been so good to you. Now I know we sanctify. I know we uppity. But I need somebody here to just reflect for just a moment about just how good Jesus has been to you. You should be dead in your grave, but Jesus picked you up, turned you around, and brought you back. He restored me. Healed my body, gave me back my confidence, put all the broken pieces of my life back together. And every time I look at it, I only can say, this is only because of the power of God. You ask me while I'm, why am I on fire? It's because he done too much for me not to be. I marvel at, at Christians who can be calm all the time. But when you talk to them, they say, well, yes, you know, God has opened this door and, and God has blessed me with this and God has done that. But when you really understand the magnitude of what he's done, not just for everybody else, but what he's done for you. You can't keep that to yourself. As the old folk would say, when he's changed your life every time you look at your hands, they look new. And you look at your feet, too. And it's not just that that blesses you. It's that you remember what they used to look like. Yeah. 
I'm on fire for God, not just because of what he has done, but because of what he's brought me from. Times where mindset was not focused on him, where he wasn't the default for when I would get in trouble, when I would look every other way but his way, and then to see how he's changed my mind, how he's transformed my thoughts, how he's allowed me to look at the exact same situations completely different. Somebody's been praying for God to change your situation. God said, I'm just going to change you in it. I'm not going to fix your relationship today. I ain't going to get your boss right tomorrow. I'm going to work on you. So that when they say the exact same thing that used to set you off, and you still have a smile on your face, you can say, this is what that fire is all about. When you look at that prognosis, that doctor's report, and you still can have joy in your heart. God said, this is what the fire is about. And because you see it in you, you got to let some other people get close to it. You got to let that fire burn so hot that anybody who gets close to you going to get burned too. You have to be so ablaze for God that you make up in your mind that nothing's going to stop me from getting closer to him. And I'm going to pull with me everybody connected. If you're in my life and you don't want this fire, you better get out. You're living in my house and you don't want this fire, you better go find you a new residence. Because I'm not turning the heat down because you don't like the kitchen. But I'm ablaze. And everything in my life has changed because of Jesus. I'm so on fire because I've seen what he can do. Great thing I, I, I love about God is that he does not require us to advertise something that we aren't able to sample. He doesn't say, I need you to go out and tell everybody else about how good I am and share my gospel, but you ain't going to receive it. He says, I'm going to bless you first. And out of the abundance and overflow of your blessing, I'm just going to ask that you let somebody else know. Because he loves us so much that he would not allow us to go down. And wherever you are on your journey, you may have come into this church feeling broken. You may have come into, come into this church today in need of healing. You may have come into this church today feeling like you're going through the biggest thing in your life and there's no one there to hold you up. That every area of your life is cracking right in front of your eyes. That every support system that you thought you had is showing that you don't. Well, God sent you here today to let you know that you've got someone who wants to pick you up. 
and his name is Jesus. And if you just call on him, he'll come see about you. There's never been a time where I've called on him and he hasn't answered. He gives us assurances after assurance that if you call on me, I'm going to be there. That nothing can separate you from my love. Regardless of what you go through, I'm still there. And my love abounds wherever you are. And my grace is sufficient to cover whatever you need. And my mercies are new day by day. So if you go through something tomorrow, I'm still going to be there for you. If you go through something next week, my mercy will show up just when you need it most. And I'll bring you unto myself. And if you call on my name, I will answer. I'll hear your faintest cry. And I'll answer by and by.